All right, today we're talking about a revolution with God. And remember, a uh, revolution is a dramatic change in the way that we do something, a dramatic change in the way something works, a dramatic change in life. And knowing you, uh, knowing some of you, uh, man, I love hearing stories about the dramatic changes that take place in our lives. As we come from a place of either not believing there is a God to believing there, there is a God and, and really becoming convinced that his son Jesus is the son of God and died for our sins. And just the dramatic change that happens in life. Some of you here in this room did not believe that a year ago and have come to faith and there have been dramatic changes that happen in your life. That's just awesome. It's amazing to see. And, and, and here's the danger. One of the dangers is the longer you walk with Jesus, the, the less dramatic the changes seem or the more it seems like you take one step forward and 10 steps back or, do you know what I'm saying? And, and the change is dramatic. And actually John calls us to this dramatic change of walking with Jesus. And just from the start, especially if this is your first week with us and you haven't spent the last couple of weeks with us ramping up to this, I want you to get something really clear uh, in, in sync or um, in order. I want you to understand something real clearly. Uh, a lot of times in religion, here's the way it works. You, you start to change your outside behavior, or at least that's what you're told to do. You start changing your outside behavior. And then uh, eventually when you change your outside behavior enough, I guess maybe I've arrived and, and now I'm good enough. And now I'm in with God, right? I, somehow I, I wasn't good enough here and I, I start to change the outward and and some of you experienced that. You've experienced going to church in such a way where it was about the rules that you follow. And eventually, at one point, you change, you change the rules of how you live enough that hopefully, hopefully I'm good enough, right? And that's not at all what the Bible presents. That's not at all what Jesus says, right? It's not at all the gospel of Jesus. What Jesus actually said to disciples is he was uh, starting into his ministry. He met guys like uh, Peter and his brother Andrew or James and his brother John. And what he actually said to them is he said, hey, follow me. Come and, come and walk with me. And, and you track with the story and a certain number of months down the road, a certain number of years down the road, they're still struggling to know exactly what it means to believe in him as the son of God, right? They see things and they're like, wow, but what does that look like in my life? And, and eventually you come to a place where, where those who have walked with him for some time become believers and followers in him. And, and once they become believers, man, things change radically, right? But Jesus doesn't lead with this. Jesus doesn't lead with a set of rule books. He doesn't pick Andrew and Peter up from the side of the lake fishing and he doesn't give them a checklist of rules of what to say, what not to say, what to wear, what not to wear, how to live, right? He says, come along. And so if you're here this morning and you're in that process of coming towards Christ, if that makes sense, if you're in that process of pursuing him, as we talk about this, understand from the start that Jesus calls people to follow him and believe, right? But he's been so patient with you up to this point. Don't, don't feel like, what, what he's calling you to is a certain step of actions. And when you complete those actions, you're in. 
The gospel of Jesus is exactly the opposite. That, that there's no actions we can do to be in. That he died for our sins. He paid the price to make us right with God again. And anyone who believes can be forgiven. Anyone who believes can, can be a believer, just like we're going to find out in the Word. All right? So that's where we're going to start. And, and what we're saying is that when you come to believe, dramatic changes take place. And the dramatic changes that take place, and we're going to find this out, are in the, in the inside of us. They take place in our heart. Our affections begin to change. And all of a sudden, a year down the road, you realize, I don't even desire the things I used to desire. Has anybody had that experience where you see God working in you and you don't desire the things you used to desire? And that's what he's talking about. All right? So uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read this passage. It's in 1 John. We're in chapter 2. And uh, again, if you're just starting with us, we're going through the whole book of 1 John. And uh, we're in 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. And I'm going to read verse 3 to 11, uh, and then we're going to pray and get started. Verse 3. And if you don't have your Bibles, by the way, uh, there's, there's free Bibles for you if you don't own one out in the lobby. Uh, if you forgot one and you want to go grab one, uh, you're more than welcome to do that in the lobby. Uh, or it'll be up here on the screen. So 1 John 3. We know, or chapter 2, verse 3. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. We're going to continue all the way through the, through the chapter. 1 John, excuse me, chapter 2, verse 3 through 11. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar and the truth is not in him. If anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know that we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Dear friends, I'm not writing to you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message that you have heard. Yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is still in the darkness. Whoever loves his brother lives in light and there is nothing in him to make him stumble. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. He does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded him. Lord Jesus, as we come to you this morning uh, and as we read your word, God, I ask that you, would, that you would literally turn the lights on here in our hearts and in our minds today. That, you would, that you'd light up the understanding of the scripture for us in such a way that we can understand what, what you're saying here in this passage. God, we are, we're humbled and thrilled to hear that you have loved us and that you've paid the price for our sin. And as we come to you this morning, some of us are believers, some of us are not yet believers, some of us are, are in process. And, and God, as we come to you this morning, it's my prayer that you would speak to our heart and as your word says that you would draw us to yourself and that the outcome of today would be that we would walk in a way that would reflect your love for us, that we would walk in a way 
that shows the world that we're your followers, that we're your disciples, and that you're true and that you're love. God, would you do that here amongst us this morning? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. In, uh, in verse 3, he starts out and he says, We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. And I just want to start out with the first part. We know that we have come to know him. I want you to know that, that most of us at some point have these questions about our relationship to God, right? Uh, questions about, man, am I, am I crazy? Like, God, are you really there? God, am I really a follower of you? God, man, you're so, you're so hard to figure out. And sometimes it seems like you're so close and sometimes it seems you're so far away. Anybody else have that experience ever? And, and what John says is, John says, you can know that you know him. That's what he tells us. If we can know that we know him. And that's really where he begins. If you go over to 1 John chapter 5, if you have your Bibles, just turn a couple chapters at the end of this letter where he really goes and he kind of is summing up. And he says this in, in conclusion at the end of this letter. John says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that's Jesus, who believe in Christ, okay? I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. So the whole intention of writing this book, writing this letter, is so that you might know, so that you might have peace, so that you might know that you have eternal life. And he's going to tell us how we can know, okay? Um, often, you and I spend time worrying about whether or not we know him. Some of us were raised in, in churches or in in uh, theological thoughts where your sin uh, gets you in and out of relationship with him. Like, um, if I lose my temper today, I lose my salvation, and I gotta totally get saved all over again and start from scratch, right? And, and John says, I'm writing that you might know that you, you know him and that you believe, and, and we're gonna find out exactly what he says about how we can know. And others of you were raised and you heard well, I prayed when I was eight years old. I did this thing at church, and I came forward, and I prayed. And so, you know, once I got saved, I'm always saved, right? And so live however I want because, hey, I did the deed when I was eight, and so I'm in, right? Or I got sprinkled when I was born, and the gown was beautiful, and so I'm, I'm part of the in crowd, and now I'm in. And, okay, and so John says, I want you to know, I want you to know that you have a relationship with God. Okay, but the questions that rise up in our heart usually rise up in our heart because of, because of failures. They usually rise up in our heart because of bad weeks and bad days and relationships that go south and, and evenings that, that just go badly. And we are like, man, God, are you even in me? John writes so that we could know that we have a relationship with him. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to to do two things. I want you to enter in to the questions because John's really asking the question, do you know him? Do you really know God? And I want to encourage you to enter into that conversation. I want you to know that his goal is that you would know that you do know him. But some of you are going to be a little bit scared of that 
question. Do I know him? Some of you are scared because you don't know him, right? It's not an easy question because, because you don't know him. And some of you have put tons of time in on chairs like this or pews or, or whatever, and, and you don't know him. You've been going through the motions, but you really have never believed. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. Um, and that's okay. What John says is anyone can come to know him at any time. Anyone can truly come to believe in him at any point. So that's the first thing. I really encourage you to, to enter in. And then at the same time, I would encourage you to listen to what John says, okay? Because the changes we are going to see, they prove that he is in you and he's changing you. And John wants you to know that you can really know him. But don't be afraid of the question, okay? So don't, don't be afraid of the question and embrace it and say, do I really know him? Have I seen God change me? And then at the same time, don't stew in the question, right? When you see what John says happening in your life, when you see God changing you and changing your affections, don't stew in the, the issue and, and miss the point and get off track, okay? So here we go. We know that we have come to know him. This word know, actually, 1 John uses this word know uh, there's actually two different words, but it uses both of them more than in any other New Testament uh, letter, okay? So the word no doesn't mean intellectual assent, all right? The context of the, the climate, the spiritual climate where John is writing, he's writing somewhere 50, 60-ish years after Jesus died, raised from the dead, and went to be with, with God in heaven, okay? Seated at the right hand of God. And so it's 60 years later. John's one of the, the last disciples are, and uh, alive. A lot, many others of them have been martyred. And so John is writing, and the, the spiritual climate is one where people are saying, hey, listen, religion and relationship to God, it's all about what you know, and it's all about what you mentally assent to. It's all about what you believe in your head, but don't worry about your life. And it kind of went two different ways. Okay, one... One group of people said, don't worry about your life because this life is not anything important. So do not, do not serve your flesh at all. And some people very much worked out their relationship with God in, in just constant sacrifice, in monastic style living, in, in constant fasting, eating very plain things all the time, never having any physical enjoyment in life. All right. And so some people worked it out that way. And other people said, because it's, because it's mental and because it's cognitive and because it is, it's a, it's a spiritual cognitive ascent, then don't worry about the flesh because the flesh doesn't matter. So live it up. Enjoy every moment, right? And so the same, the same truth going around led in two different directions with people. And so here's what, here's what John does. He uses the very word. He says, you can know for sure that you know God. The word know actually means to come to have knowledge through a lot of consistent growing relationship. It's not an idea. It's not, um, it's not a truth that you can learn in, in class. It's not a truth that you can learn here. It is a long time running relationship, okay? Uh, in, if you've been in a relationship for a long time, uh, maybe with your children, uh, maybe with a sibling, maybe with a friend that you're good friends with for a long, long time, and you can look across the room and you can know what each other is thinking based on the context. Maybe it's in your marriage and 
and you can just barely give a slight look out of the corner of your eye and that person knows what you're thinking already. Do you know what I'm talking about? That is this word, no. We can know that we know him. Long time running relationship. But here, even more, what's curious about this or really exciting about it is he says we can know right now, we can know in this present moment that we continually going on forever forward are going to know him. Okay, so, so that's it. He says, we can know, present tense, right here this morning, we can know that we are going to forever know him. Okay, that's, that's exactly what he says in the tense. He says, we can know that, that we've come to know him and it's going to continue. All right, so, so we can know in a way because of what God's doing in our lives that not only do we know him now, but it is, that it's going to continue forever. All right, and great assurance to, to us as a church because here's the thing is you and I could consistently be back here every week. Well, do I really know him? And Monday was good, but Tuesday was bad. And man, I don't even, man, I think I doubted everything on Thursday and here I am back again on Sunday. Do I really know him? And what he says is right now in this point in time, you can know that you've come to know God and you can know him forever. Here's what he says. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. All right? Sounds great until the O word comes into it, right? Obedience. Man, nobody likes obedience. Nobody. What, what's underneath and behind obedience that we don't like? It's authority. The idea that somebody sets up the rules, right? And so, so I was really keen on getting to know God and knowing him forever, but then he used the O word and if we obey his commands. Here's what he says. He says, we can know him and we can know that we're gonna know him because as we get to know him, God is gonna change our affections. He's gonna change our heart and we're gonna find ourselves obeying his commands more and more and, and consistently as we go forward. And I'll show that to you just now. Go back up real quickly to uh, chapter one, verse eight. It's not on the screen, but we were just here. And here's what John says. I, just as we talk about obedience, because I might say, we can know that we know God if we obey. And you could say to yourself, well, you know, I don't think I obey God really. I think I'm on my own program. So I definitely don't know him. I just want you to hear and understand what John says. Just a couple verses before. He says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Okay. So he says, anybody here who claims to be without sin, you're only lying to yourself. He's gonna use the exact same phrase in just a minute. You're only lying to yourself if we claim to be without sin, okay? So the next verse down, he's gonna say, uh, if we claim to love, but we, we have sin, we're lying, okay? So just track with what, G, what John is saying. He's saying all of us have sin. There is a consistent pattern of obedience and God changing our affections that's really gonna be the tell in, in where we're going here, all right? So we can know, and that's the thing I want you to know, you can know that you know him. You can see him doing a great work in your life. We can know that. All right, um, let's keep going. Verse four. Verse four says, the man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in him. If anyone obeys his word, 
God's love is made truly complete or mature in him. It's his constant state of maturing. But anyone who obeys his word, God's love is made complete in him. This is how we know that we're in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. So the first thing is, I know that I know him. The second thing is, I love what he loves. All right, as we get to know him, our affections change. Our affections change to be like his. And he changes us in such a way that we have a growing affection for the things that he commands us, that we obey him. All right, so he says this, the one who says, I know him. And the word there translated says in NIV is the same as the claim in verse 9 and in verse 6. So again, there's a couple big themes here. So, and you're going to hear this for the whole, you're going to hear this for the whole series because John just keeps coming back to these things. The word know is used more to know is used more than anywhere because everybody wants to know about God. And, and John says this, he says, I knew him. He starts out first chapter, my, I ate bread with him. Our physical bodies were there together. I know him and you can know him too. And, and the other word that's used more than anywhere in the New Testament is the word love, okay? Know and love. Those are the two themes of the whole book. You can know God and when you know him, your affections are changed and you love him and you love his children and you love the ways of God, all right? So the first thing is that we can know him. Second, he, we love the things that he loves. I love what he loves. He changes our affections. Um, claim. He says, the man who claims or says, I know him, but doesn't do what he commands is a liar. All of us know this. When we, when we claim to honor our, our parents, and then we go out and do exactly the opposite of what they say, do we really honor and love our parents? No. All right? Not, not in that moment, not in that situation. When we claim to love our, our spouses and we, we aren't faithful to them, we aren't faithful to that relationship, do we really show love to them? No. We all know that. And so what he says is the one who says that he knows him but doesn't live it out, he's a liar. And the only one he's deceiving is himself or herself. And so remember, again, this word is a going forward progression of, of knowing him. And, and so here's what he, here's what he says. Um, the man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. This word claim is is what you and I make when we make a statement about our lives. There's lots of reasons to claim that we have a relationship with God. Uh, many of us have spent lots of years claiming, either to ourselves or privately, that we have a relationship with God. Some of us say, make statements of believing in God because we're just, we're just hoping that in the end, right, if, if heaven really is real and God really is real, that that hopefully I'll be good with whatever God that is. What does it really hurt to claim to be a Christian now? Right? Hopefully in the end it works out for me. And, and John says, I want you to know that you know him. Not just claim. Because some of us claim that way and then we spend a life kind of doubting it and putting up a front at the right times and, and not really sure of it at other times. There's a ton of reasons why we would claim to know God or to be in the light. 
Uh, it's the family that I grew up in. My family always went to church. My parents, they're Christians. They all believe. My brothers and sisters, they don't seem to have a problem with it. So I guess I'll go along with it. How many of you as kids had that kind of claim of belief in God? Um, because it just, it just was easier, right, to roll with it. Uh, maybe some of you had that kind of claim with a different religion. And it just was easier to stay in and to go with the flow. You didn't really believe it, but you claim it on the outside so that everything just works better, right? I love my mom. She wants me to believe so badly. She wants me to be a Christian. It's just easier if I let her believe what she wants to believe. Holidays are way better, right? There's lots of reasons to claim to believe something that you don't believe. Now, nobody in their heart wants to, but there's lots of reasons to claim to be a believer, to claim to know him. And just by the way, if you have, if you have kids, if you have teenagers, here be my recommendation. I have, um, I have seen over and over and over that young people, absolutely, they need to grow up in what you believe. Um, even most of the time, even most of the time folks that say, I don't want to give any beliefs to my kids so they can discover their own, they're giving a, a certain belief to their kids, right? Um, so all I would say is you definitely need to give your beliefs to your children. But at the same time that you give your beliefs to children that you're raising or, or even children you're around or maybe their nephews or nieces or whatever, it, if you have kids, you definitely need to give that to them. But, but at the same time, give them the, the fact or the reality that adult decision time is coming. Give them the reality that adult crisis of faith is coming. For some kids, it comes at 17 years old. For some kids, it doesn't come until they're 37 and, and they're still kids, right? Um, for some people, it doesn't come right away, but your children that you're raising, if you have kids, they need to come to adult faith just like you did. Okay, some of you never bumped into Christ until you were an adult. And, and it became something that you changed. You, you heard the gospel, you realized that was different. The Spirit really confirmed in you. You realized it was true. You believed it. And then all of these dramatic changes came out of it. And then maybe in that story, like in my story, my parents got saved when, I was, when they were 29. I was like four. And from that time on, I got raised inside the church, right? And, and faith was given to me from my parents. And I grew up in the church. And at nine years old, I, I trusted in Christ. And I genuinely believed in him. But for me, 19 years old was coming. Okay? And at 19, I had to decide, am I really going to walk with Jesus or am I not going to walk with Jesus? Am I really going to believe and play this out in my life? Am I going to own it for myself or am I just going to ride, you know, this deal that my parents gave me? Or am I going to bag it? For me, it was 19 years old. For your kids, it might be something different. Uh, but, but it's a totally normal progression of life because faith that you're given... God wants to see it grow to full, full fruit, right? Your kids need to know that, that there's going to be a point in time where they're going to have to say, is this really mine? Okay, no matter what they've been given. Some it comes earlier, some it comes later. And usually it comes around a crisis of faith. When they see their life falling apart, when they see their faith falling apart, when they see, I don't really know if I believe this. And at that point, a person has to believe. The same way you did when you came to faith. 
All right? Um, okay, other reasons why people might claim. I love my husband. He believes he's, he's, he's good. He, he seems to love it. Um, he's a good husband. I really want to believe, but I just don't get it. Maybe it'd just be easier if I go along with it and pretend to believe. There's all kinds of reasons to claim to believe. My mom and dad took me to church. Yeah, I believe. Um, here's the thing. What claims do you make in your heart about your relationship to God? Okay? Not, not on the outside, but really when it gets down to it, what do you believe? What's your claim about your belief in God? About you knowing the Savior? About you having a relationship to Him? And again, here at K2, we love the fact that there's a hundred different answers in the room, right? We, we love the fact that there are people in process and they're saying, man, I don't even know if there's a God yet, right? And I'm just checking out, man, thank you for coming and being here. We're thrilled that you're hearing from him about this. But that's what John says is, what's your claim? And what John wants, what John wants for you is that you'd know what your claim is and that you would, that you would live it out, Okay. So here's what he says. He says, don't, don't be a liar because the only person you're fooling is yourself. If anyone obeys his word, God's love is made truly complete in him. Um, and that's how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Okay? And again, that's the, that's the part with sequence. Does that make sense? If we start over here with that verse, the, the, the way to get close to God is to walk as he did then you start doing actions, right? And you're never believing. And so if you've been here for a while and you don't believe in him, but you're trying to do Christian-like actions, um, one of the things, like I said earlier, we'll do is we'll take an offering. Man, there is nothing, nothing worse than giving to a church, like giving in worship and not believing in him. It's like, man, I guess I gotta pay this, but man, that really stinks, you know? And then once you become a believer and you understand what God's doing in the world and how he's changed you, and that God says, man, put your money where it'll, it'll last forever. Don't use it here where moth and rust and everything destroys it and takes it away. When you come to believe in him and you see the work that he does, man, giving is totally opposite. Nothing could be worse than giving when you don't believe, right? And so, so here's what he says. Get the sequence right. Come to believe in him and then let your actions show it, okay? Uh, verse 7. Uh, dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one, which is to love. Because you've seen it since the beginning. The old command is the message that you have heard. I'm writing you a new command. It, the, its truth is seen in him, that is Jesus, and in you, but because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Okay? So in a couple of weeks, we're going to do this over and over. Um, we're going to talk more about how to love your brother and how to walk in obedience to him. But here's what he says. He says, this is not a new command. You know this. It, it seems fresh. It seems new. But this is not a new command. Jesus gave it. In fact, if, if John 13 can come up. In John 13, this is the way Jesus said it. Uh, Jesus said this in John 13, 34 through 35. A new command I give to you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. So Jesus said, uh, when they asked him about commands, they said, the most important thing is to love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. 
and to love your neighbor as yourself. And this is him saying it, I, a new command I give to you, love one another as I have loved you, as I, Jesus, have loved you, my followers, so you must love, another, love one another. Everyone will know that you're followers of me when your life is marked by that kind of love. So not only do we love what he loves, but we love who he loves, all right? And, uh, and John continually comes back to this illustration of light. And he says, where there is light, there can't be darkness. And where there is darkness, there is no light, okay? Just by virtue of what they are. And, and he comes into it here, and down in verse 9 through 11 in uh, chapter 2, he says this, he says, anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is still in the darkness. I want you to get it straight here, just of what, what he's saying. Uh, he says, when we claim to be in the light, that's in the knowledge of God, okay? And so again, the context of where he's at is that people are enlightened with a, with a heady knowledge of God, right? They say, oh, I totally understand spiritual things. I'm a very spiritual person, and, and I have this thought and this philosophy, and I connect this over here with this religion, and man, I, I get it. I, I have a knowledge of God. And so what John says is, he says, anybody who claims to be in the light but hates his brother, has conflict with his brother, that you see you see sin going out in their life. And, and I want you to know, like most of us here, if I asked how many people you hate, there would, for most of us, we would either say that, well, I don't hate anybody, right? You know, I'm not really fond of that guy. He can do what he wants, but, but, but I don't hate anybody. And others of us who would admit to hating someone would probably say that we just hate a few people, right? And, and, and here's the thing. When John says hate, um, what he's talking about is he's talking about the constant conflict between us and people in life. The constant sin that is between us. Literally, what he's going to say later is he says, when we sin, when I sin in my life, I show you, even if you're not there, I show you as a, as a brother or sister in Christ that I hate you. I don't care about you. I'm doing what I want to do. And so when he uses this word hate, he says, when we go on sinning, when we go on living as we please, but we claim to be in the light, he's like, you're not in the light. So the light is specifically a true knowledge of God that lives itself out in our lives. Okay, a light is not the action. Okay, our, Jesus is the light. Our actions don't produce light, if that makes sense, right? Our actions can reflect him, but the light isn't the action. It's not like I start walking in light. I'm going to start doing these things and somehow those are right. Okay? The light is really knowing God and it really pouring out in our lives. Okay? And he says, when, when you have actions that don't show that, you're still in the darkness. All right? So let me just show you this here. Because um, this is, it's one thing to talk about. It's another thing to see. Light is, light is powerful. Um, and by definition, light can't be where, where darkness is. If you're in white box, uh, Last week, we talked a little bit about this. Um, but literally, light gets rid of darkness just by nature of, of what light is. And, and literally, what John says is he says, where there's light, um, there isn't darkness. And it's real obvious. And so you can bring lights. Um, the, there's light. There's very obviously darkness, right? Over here, there's You can't see. 
And there is no light here. And it's obvious to all of us. It's simple to see. But where there's darkness, there, there is no light. And, and John just says that when you claim to be in the light, but your life it, is just dark, it, he said it actually causes people to stumble. It causes you to stumble and others to stumble. He says, but where there is light and you, and you live in a way that reflects the light, that, that everyone around can see. Actually, what he says is that when you live in darkness, when you, when you live with actions of darkness, that, that you actually keep people from the light. Light is the knowledge of God, right? Light isn't my actions. But, but when I live in a way that doesn't reflect light, it says that I actually, I actually keep people from the light. That I actually get in the way. That I actually cause others to stumble. Because they can't see it. They, they hear me talk about light and there's this faint glow of it. But it doesn't seem right. Because if God, if God was really light, if knowing God was really, really light then wouldn't it be more significant than that silly little glow? Wouldn't it be more than just the fact that you have a weekly attendance at a certain place or that you don't say a certain few words or that you give your, give your clothes to the Salvation Army in West Valley instead of just at the DI? Do you know what I mean? Because that little bit of light, it just, it looks funky. And if knowing God was really, really dramatic, then it seems like it'd be a lot bigger than that. And that's what he says. He says, when you live in a way that goes across it, people can't see the light. When you live in a way that, that misrepresents. And, and here's the reality, is that all of us, all of us do this all the time. All of us fall. All of us make these mistakes. We fail. And, and what he says, what John says, is don't live this way. Don't live this way. All right, you can bring the lights up. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother lives in the light, and there's nothing in him to make him stumble. We're going to continue in worship, and the band is going to come on up. And, and these claims that he's been talking about, I want you to consider uh, the claims that you make about your relationship to God. I want you to consider what we do here. When, when we come here and we hear from the Word, we, we worship and we make claims. When you sing the songs that we sing, when we, we make claims, and we worship, and uh, I want to encourage you to take this opportunity to, to make some claims to yourself, not necessarily to those around us, to, to make some claims to God about who he is and about who you're going to be. Not about your last week, not about two weeks ago, not about last night. Make some claims about going forward, about God, I know you and I am going to walk with you. God, I know you and you are going to change me. God, I know you and you, my life is going to reflect it. That's what we do in worship. 
That's what we do in giving. We're going to do offering uh, here as we uh, begin. And, and we do that. We, we say, God, I'm going to care about what you care about. And I'm going to invest in what you invest. I'm going to invest in what you care about, your kingdom. Um, so I want to encourage you as we sing now, I would encourage you to respond and say, God, I'm going to care about what you care about. I want you to change my heart. I want you to help me to walk with you this week to walk in the light in a way that, that reflects your love and doesn't cause others to stumble.